The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. So last time I was with you was February 2023, so one year ago. And when we were together, uh, we looked at Hezekiah's faith. And um, it's a little bit ironic if you're if you were here and you remember, because the word faith or believe occurs about eight times in 2 Kings 18 and 19, but always it's the, um, the Assyrian field chief who's mocking Hezekiah because of his faith. And then very ironically, the author of Kings took that word from this ridicule, and that's how he characterized Hezekiah. And so uh, along the way there, we noticed Hezekiah had some things to be really afraid of. Uh, the Assyrians were pretty nasty, and they um, did terrible things to people that def they defeated, especially people that rebelled. Hezekiah had more to worry about than anybody. Now don't worry, I'm not going to show you those pictures again, because um, if you were here, you know, we looked at pictures of the Assyrians, um, dismembering people, skinning people alive, things like this. Um, but I do want to catch us back up to where we were. So this is 701 BCE, and that's when the destruction of all the cities of Judah took place by the Babylonians, and they besieged Jerusalem. And so uh, according to both the Bible and the Assyrian records, they wreaked havoc. And some of those pictures are still available to see, um, some of the ones we saw last year, are hanging up in museums um, in the United States and elsewhere in Europe. Now, the questions we asked from all this faith last year, oh, I am gonna read you this. Um, I think I have that on this page. This is King Sennacherib says of a different people, but this is who he is. I cut their throats like lambs. I cut off their precious lives as one cuts a string. Like the many waters of a storm, I made the contents of the gullets of their entrails run down upon the wide earth. My prancing steeds, harnessed for my riding, plunged into streams of their blood as into a river. The wheels of my war chariot, which bring low the wicked and the evil, would be scattered with blood and filth. With the bodies of their warriors, I filled the plain like grass. Their testicles I cut off. I tore out their privates like the seeds of cucumbers, like Sawan, June, I cut uh, their hands, I cut off. This is um, the kind of thing that he would often write about rebels, like Hezekiah. And this is one of the things we looked at. Here's the um, royal spokesperson taunting Hezekiah. Thus you shall, you shall say to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, do not let your God, in whom you are trusting, deceive you, when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the Assyrian king. And yet, because Hezekiah trusted God, um, the author used that word some eight times that was used to make fun of Hezekiah to characterize who Hezekiah is. This is what the author of King says. Hezekiah trusted in Yahweh, the God of Israel. There was no one like him before him, or after him, 
among all the kings of Israel who held on to Yahweh. He did not turn from following after him, and he kept the commandments that Yahweh had commanded Moses. So there's some irony there, but I think the thing that we were thinking about last February is, if somebody's gonna make fun of you or me, somebody's gonna make fun of us, would they make fun of us because of how much we trusted in the Lord? Is that why they would make fun of us? So if we were characterized by what our enemies say about us, what would our enemies taunt us for? And so we focused on some things like that. And I, I, I wanna just say, all that's true, all that's good, and we should want to have the kind of faith, like Hezekiah did, that people would make fun of us for it, and that we could be known and ridiculed as being people of faith. But there's also something more, something pretty ironic and something troubling. And so what I want to do this morning is to take the next step and look at Hezekiah in reverse. But it's really important that we remember how the author of Kings starts the narrative. He never wants people to misunderstand, so he always kind of tells us what to think at the beginning. No one trusted Yahweh like Hezekiah. It was something he could be mocked for. So what I'd like to focus on is that, um, as was read today, Hezekiah's acts of self-indulgence, his selfishness and pride, guaranteed the judgment of God upon his people. This most faithful of all kings. And then this is maybe what feels worse when we hear it in the Bible. Hezekiah owns it. He tells Isaiah, he's okay if somebody else pays the price for his sin. Now, we're gonna need to start at the end of the story. This is the end of the story. Um, well, it's not really the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. But it's at the end, right? So this is what we're focused on. Then, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of Yahweh. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have treasured up to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says Yahweh. And some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of Yahweh which you have spoken is good. For he said in his heart, will it not be good if there is peace and truth in my days? Now that's the answer. But we kind of have to back up to see the question. Now, here's the thing. On the right-hand side is the chronological sequence. I need to remind you, BCE, before the Common Era, counts down to the time when Christ was born. Uh, and then things start counting up on the other side. So you'll notice on the right-hand side, 
Hezekiah is healed from his mortal illness. We're not quite sure, but either 713 or 703, something thereabouts. And then he gets a visit from the Babylonian diplomats and he shows them everything in Jerusalem. After that, in 701, Sennacherib sieges Jerusalem. After that, in 700, he pays tribute to Sennacherib. That's how it happens in history. It's in the Bible, it's in the uh, Assyrian records. We know that that's what happened and that's the order it happened. But notice on the left-hand side, the author of Kings has flipped it. He's told the story of Hezekiah in reverse. He starts with Hezekiah paying a tribute to the king of Babylon in 700 BCE. Then he tells the story of Sennacherib's siege of Jerusalem and how the Lord delivers Jerusalem. And it's in that middle part where, that's what we looked at last year, where uh, the representative of Sennacherib made fun of Hezekiah for his pathetic faith. Then at the end of the story, we get to the beginning before any of that happened. When Hezekiah got sick, so sick that he thought he was gonna die, he asked the Lord, please don't take my life. I've been faithful to you. The Lord says, all right, I'm gonna give you 15 bonus years. And to celebrate, the king of Babylon sent his delegates and Hezekiah showed them all their stuff and then um, that's when Isaiah came to talk to him. So on the left, that's the order we're gonna look at things. The order they're in the Bible. Hezekiah in reverse. So here's the um, beginning of the story. That is the last thing that happened. Now, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. Then Hezekiah, the king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish and saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever penalty you give me, I will bear. So the king of Assyria set the penalty on Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. In case you're wondering, a talent is 75 pounds. Thus, Hezekiah gave him all the silver which was found in the house of Yahweh and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of Yahweh and from the doorposts which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave them to the king of Assyria. I'm gonna go back for one thing. When you read through the first front words, you don't realize this. This 14th year, that's the 14th of his 15 bonus years. Uh, when you're reading forward though, you think, oh, it's 14 years into his 29 year rule. It's part of the trick. Um, but there it is, so he gives all this gold. Now, here's what Sennacherib says about this. Um, this is very unusual. I'll tell you a couple of the reasons why it's unusual uh, after I read this, but one of the reasons that it's unusual is almost always when kings submitted to Sennacherib, they came out of their city and bowed down and gave them the stuff right there. But listen to this. This is what Sennacherib says as recorded by his scribe. This is 700 BCE. So this is after this. As for him, Hezekiah, fear of my lordly brilliance overwhelmed him. And after my departure, 
He had the auxiliary forces and his elite troops whom he had brought inside to strengthen the city, Jerusalem, his royal city, and who had provided support along with 30 talents of gold, 800 talents of silver, choice antimony, large blocks of ivory of something, ivory beds, armchairs of ivory, elephant hides, elephant ivory, ebony, boxwood, garments with multicolored trim, linen garments, blue purple wool, red purple wool, utensils of bronze, iron, copper, tin, and iron, chariots, shields, lance armor, iron belt daggers, bows, and usur arrows, equipment and implements of war, all of which were without number, and together with his daughters, palace women, male singers, and female singers, brought into Jerusalem, Mike, uh, sorry, brought into Nineveh, my capital city, and he sent a mounted messenger of his to deliver this payment and to do obeisance. So this happened in 700, this is after. So just like the Bible says, this is a little bit more glorifying it, that's what the Assyrians do. So here's four, there's probably 15 unusual things about this um, account that I just read in the Assyrian annals. Here's four of them. First, Sennacherib did not impose this tribute. Um, There's no other place where Sennacherib does not impose tribute. No other king voluntarily gives tribute other than Hezekiah. It was the only time in all of uh, Sennacherib's journals. Hezekiah sent the tribute to Sennacherib after he had withdrawn and returned to Nineveh. No one else did that. Hezekiah is the only one who did that in all of Sennacherib's journals. The tribute of Hezekiah is the largest of Sennacherib's third campaign and is the second largest tribute Sennacherib ever received. I mean, Sennacherib was going on and on. Uh, Hezekiah really paid him off big. And the fourth thing I'll draw your attention to is Hezekiah included members of the royal family in the tribute, um, even some of his own daughters. So, that brings us back to, if this works, you're going to have to help me. I think this is not working. Oh, good. Did I do that or did you? I did it? (laughs) Wonderful. So when Hezekiah is sick, um, so this is some years before. This is either 703 or 713. So this is before what we just read about. But this is at the end of the story. So this is in um, chapter 20. And we read this. Isaiah says, and this is a sign to Hezekiah that he's going to get better. Therefore, thus says Yahweh concerning the king of Assyria. He will not come. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is the end of chapter 19. Um, this is before that. Uh, thus says Yahweh concerning the king of Assyria. This is when um, the Assyrians are besieging Jerusalem and Hezekiah is afraid. He will not come into the city or shoot an arrow there. He will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege against it. By the way that he came, by the same way he will return. And he shall not come to the city, declares Yahweh. Indeed, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now it happened that night that the angel of Yahweh went out and struck 
185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And the men arose early in the morning, and behold, all of them were dead bodies. I don't know what that means. They woke up and they were dead. Uh, so, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, set out and went away and returned home and lived at Nineveh. So, um, that's how the Lord dealt with Sennacherib. That's how come Sennacherib had to leave without taking Jerusalem, uh, one of the few things he ever failed at doing. Now, if Hezekiah pays a large tribute, and before that the Lord kills the Assyrians and they go home, it raises a really good question. We've already seen the answer, but the question is, why? Why does Hezekiah pay Sennacherib an excessively high tribute after Yahweh had defeated the Assyrians? Why would anybody do that? Right, that's the question. And by going in reverse, we finally get to the beginning of the story and we get the answer to the question. So the last thing that happens, Hezekiah pays a high tribute to Sennacherib. What happened before that? Well, Sennacherib attacked Jerusalem. The Lord was faithful to his word and delivered Jerusalem and sent the Assyrians packing. How did he do that? He killed a whole lot of people and when they woke up the next morning, they were dead. And so Sennacherib went home. So we need to know what happened before that. And you already know it, but that's really the thing that we're doing is looking backwards. So here's um, what the Lord told to Hezekiah when he was sick. And Hezekiah prayed and asked the Lord for more time here on this earth. And Isaiah says to him uh, on behalf of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city, why? For my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So notice then, before the city was even sieged, the Lord promised that he would deliver Israel from the Assyrian king. Notice, that's, you can read that in your own Bible. This is verse six of chapter 20. This happened before the stuff in the previous chapter, right? This is earlier than that. So who is this uh, Murdoch Baladon? Well, he's a very colorful figure, but he's the shorter guy on the right. Now, he, um, we're not sure if the person on the left is Sargon or Sennacherib, because they both had trouble with this petty ruler from Babylon, and so he wound up submitting and making a loyalty oath with both of them. We're not sure which one this is. We're also not sure if Murdoch Baladon on the right was a short man or if the artist made him short to sort of diminish him as part of their propaganda. That, that we don't know. We do know that um, he was somebody that was kind of a petty ruler and whenever he was attacked, he just fled into the swamps and the Assyrians kind of made fun of him in their, um, in their royal inscriptions. That's the person who, either in 713 to 711, somewhere there, kind of sent people to um, Hezekiah, 
or in 703, when he was only ruler for nine months before he had to run away to the swamps again, then he sent his guys to Hezekiah and said, hey, congratulations on getting better. And Hezekiah says, hey, come on in. Let me show you all my stuff. Let me show you all the Lord's stuff. Um, I want you to see it all while you're here. Enjoy yourself. And then that brings us to the judgment of Hezekiah again by Isaiah. And so Isaiah judges him. Hezekiah says, the word of Yahweh, which you have spoken, is good. For he said in his heart, will it not be good if there is peace in my days? So that's the answer to the question. Why pay off Sennacherib? Because Hezekiah craves peace for himself. And then here's where things get a little wonky. Notice the details in what Isaiah says. Because Yahweh says that all the treasures will go to Mesopotamia, to Babylon, Hezekiah thinks, why wait? Hezekiah sends the treasures now to a defeated king, to Nineveh. He even sends royal daughters. Now, it's not sons taken from his own body, but if you read that in Hebrew, it's a some of your own sons. That's some of your own children. Now, Hezekiah didn't want to actually read it literally and send his sons, so he sent some of his daughters. Um, it's patriarchy in the ancient world. Sorry about that. <laughs> but he figures... If my stuff's going to Mesopotamia, then I'm going to send my stuff. I'm going to make the payment now. He does this to a defeated Assyrian king. And why does he do this? Well, he, he shows us right here at the beginning of the story, at the end of the story, because he wants peace and truth in his own days. Now, I'd like to just spend a couple of moments and think about the implications of this with you. Now, one of the reasons I'm talking about this today is because many times when we're in a church setting or a Bible study setting or something like this, we kind of come to the Bible and we think, is this person good or is this person bad? And that's a very powerful rubric we have. And even when you write papers on the Bible in your own studies here at Cairn, a lot of times we kind of take a framework of good or bad and we interpret the details through that rubric. So, the point is, is Hezekiah good? And see, I was with you last year in February. My point was, no one had faith more than Hezekiah. No one. He has stellar faith. So much so that somebody could make fun of him for being so faithful to Yahweh, even when he had a lot to risk. He's a very faithful man. And that seems good, right? But see, that's the problem with the binary good-bad interpretation, right? Life isn't really like that in the world we live in. Things are complicated, right? We have a good day, but then we have to wake up. Everything's going well. 
when we're away at a conference or at a camp and we're like on this spiritual high and we think, wow, my spiritual life's always gonna be this way. But then on Monday, our alarm goes off and we're at home, maybe in the dorms, maybe somewhere else, hopefully not worse. And we, we all of a sudden have to live this life and we realize life is messy. And see, that's the thing about Hezekiah too. People in the Bible are complicated. People in our lives are complicated. So, are we good or bad? Or are we complicated? If we achieve great faith, will that stop us from being self-indulgent? Is Hezekiah bad because he's happy that somebody else is gonna have to pay for his sin? Or is he normal? Do we approach our walk with God in light of our complicated and conflicted minds and lives? Or do we get simplistic about our walk with God and treat it differently than the complicated realities we live day to day? Those are personal questions, but there's some even more important more important than our own lives. Theological questions here. Did Yahweh save Jerusalem because of Hezekiah's faith? Hmm. Probably not, right? Hezekiah did have faith and he promised to save Jerusalem, but right, we read in the Bible that the Lord did it for his own sake, to be faithful to his word and for the sake of his servant David. Do we realize that even when we act with ugly self-indulgence, that Yahweh may look upon us and have compassion? Now we have to be really careful here when we're dealing with something like this, because God did have compassion on Hezekiah even after his ugly self-indulgence. We should never become callous. I mean, remember what Christ says in Matthew chapter seven in the Sermon on the Mount. If we become callous, we need to remember that Christ says, get away from me. You might think you know me, but I never knew you. We have to be careful of that for sure. But we also need to realize that God's mercy, his compassion, his forgiveness are gifts to sinners. Even complicated people who have faith and yet are self-indulgent. And so I'd invite you to rethink Hezekiah. He's a person of great faith. But it's complicated. He's conflicted. 
He's a human being. And his self-indulgence cost some other people a very, very heavy price. And I think that there's something there for us too when we read Hezekiah in reverse. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word and the testimony of your great acts and of the prophetic word from your servants, the prophets. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we enjoy of studying your word and the way you instruct us in the gospel of Jesus Christ from it. We ask that you would help us to not just treat the word of God in a trivial way, but to recognize the way it lays bare the realities of complicated, complex, and conflicted people like us. We ask for your mercy, Lord, and we know that you will do good because you are faithful to your word. But we also ask that you would give us mercy to walk with you and to serve you. You would help us to be faithful, but also help us to be honest with ourselves. Thank you for all of these things, Lord. We ask you would walk with us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.